Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, and welcome today to the Parent Engaging Parent Show, where the parent voice are heard and our questions are answered. I want to thank you all for joining today's show, and I have a quick, very quick couple of house rules, please. I definitely need all guests and all panelists to make sure that their phones are on mute and they're not speaking. We need a quality of sound. I also need us to be in a quiet place. Also, for callers, I need you to do the same. Once again, make sure we're in a quiet space and our phones are on mute when we're not speaking. And please, let's make sure we share the time. There's a lot of parents that are on my um, board switchboard and a lot of questions are to be asked, and I definitely would like for all of us to have a fair amount of time to answer these questions and make sure we definitely have an enjoyable show. So once again, I want to thank you all for coming and calling in. And if anybody would like to call in, the number is 323-870-3875. Once again, 323-870-3875. And if you also would like to email me any questions for tonight's show, you can email me at A-L-T-O-R-I-C-E-F at gmail.com. That's F at gmail.com. So we're going to dive right in, and we're going to welcome our panelists today. We have today our first panelist, Ms. Kim Gaddy, a parent and school board member at the Newark School Board District. I want to welcome Ms. Gaddy to our show. Good evening, and thank you for having me. Hello, ma'am. How's everything? Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Um, I definitely um, want to thank you for calling in, and um, our parents are definitely eager to get to some of the um, understanding that's needed today in this conversation that we're having to, tonight. Topic today, Ms. Gaddy, is charter schools and district schools, sharing space in public buildings. Um, that's been something that's been talked about um, for the last several weeks now on a very high level, and I'm glad you were able to... Um, calling as a parent to give some understanding and clarity of um, yourself having children who are in public school systems and your, your thoughts about charter schools and district schools co- co-locating in the um, same school building. I've, um, I, I'm wondering, do you think that that possibility um, is something that parents in the community can both, you know, allow themselves to be able to understand? Yes, I do. I mean, my son attends Arts High School, um, and I want to be clear that I'm speaking as a parent. I don't speak for the district, but I will never give up my parent card, even though I'm an elected school board member. Um, But I do personally feel um, that you can have a charter and a public school in the same building, but at the same time, you have to be inclusive in the process and allow all voices to be heard. Um, so that the charter parents as well as the North Public School parents and the staff have an understanding. They come together um, to kind of talk out what it is that they want. They come with an agreement 
to the terms. Um, so, again, everybody has to feel that they have an inclusive part in the process and that their voice does matter. And then lastly, I always allow a space for comments from parents um, who don't necessarily speak up in public meetings. There should probably be a parent box so that folks feel uncomfortable. We should not have to wait till end of the lease. There should be quarterly meetings, and there should be some kind of way that you constantly communicate with parents on a monthly basis to uh, remove the barriers that prevent education from happening, because it's about education of all of our children. Um, do I have Ben and, um, and Darren on the phone now? Yep. Yes, sir. Guys, thank you. Um, Ms. Gaddy, thank you also, guys. Once again, little glitch on my side, but, you know, we, 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 we're going to work through that. Um, um, I, I don't know if you guys were able to hear the question that um, I had asked Ms. Gaddy. Um, and the question was, can charter and district schools share space with each other in the same location, from your opinion? I want to start that with you, um, Darren, as a parent. Um, um, it's definitely um, important that we make sure that uh, our, our thinking on this topic is, 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 is vital to the conversation. So I definitely want to know what you think about charters and districts sharing the space in the same um, location. Well, thanks for that, Alteris, and uh, thanks for having me, brother. Um, I think uh, it's happening um, already, and I, and I, and I, I believe that it's, um, it could work. Um, I think the, one of the biggest conversations I have with a lot of parents um, of traditional public schools is the equity issue. Um, as it pertains to making sure we have an even playing field. So, so to answer your question directly, yes, it can happen, um, as long as we have complete equity on both sides, where um, you know um, both sides are getting evenly the same kind of services, um, the same types of uh, things are happening on both side, on both ends. Um, so, I, 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 that's an easy answer for, uh, for me. Okay, understood. Ben, could you give your view on that on that um, question? Yeah, absolutely, um, and I appreciate both Darren and uh, school board member Gaddy's response on this. Um, so we have been co-located at George Washington Carver. Teach uh, Academy is there now. We've been there between our, our different schools that have co-located there. We've been there almost a decade. Before that, um, we also had Spark Academy co-located there and thrived for a little bit. And not only has it worked, I think it's um, – in the times when the two schools were working together most intensively and the, uh, the principals were really working together, um, we shared professional development where staff from both sides came together um, to share what they knew, share what was working in their classroom, shared what was working across both uh, halves of the building, discipline practices, et cetera. Um, and we've also put in some improvements into the building that really have benefited all students um, we've invested nearly half a million dollars in total facility improvements um, and also added a bit to the safety and security. We have security guards outside on the Aldean side of the building. So I think we're not, we're, there's more work to be done, clearly. Um, our parents have been in conversation with each other, and I think there's even more we can do. Um, so I, I hope we continue to co-locate there so we can keep working on that. Okay. Um, I got a question from one of the parents um, who emailed me tonight, and her, her, her question was, why do charter schools need to use public buildings? Oh. I'll ask you that then first, and then, Ms. Gaddy, if you can charm in after. Sure. 
So we don't need to use public school buildings. We have a combination of some buildings that are privately developed. Um, we have some leases with companies who have built buildings for us, like uh, the Teachers Village facility downtown. Um, we have some buildings that we've developed on our own that are self-standing, uh, standalone buildings. And then we have the co-location. Um, so we don't absolutely need to. However, NPS has historically had a number of buildings around the city where, such as Carver, Carver was built for 1,200 students. Um, current George Washington Carver plus Bruce Street enrollment is around 550 students, I believe. So it behooves the district to lease excess space when it has it. Um, we pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year uh, to lease the, uh, the space that's uh, there in Carver. So I think it's good for the district, and I think it's good for the schools on both halves of the building. Okay. Ms. Gaddy, did you have an, um, a comment? Um, I was going to say uh, a similar remark, so no need for me to respond. Okay. Um, let me ask you, um, Ms. Gaddy and Mr. Martin, um, what, is, what do you as a parent see as an issue on co-locating between charters and district, if any? Okay. Well, one thing that I can see as a potential issue is, as I stated earlier, just making sure that everyone is on the same page, I think, to alleviate any issues that might arise. Um, and, and I do think it's an issue of equity, as was stated by Mr. Martin, but more importantly, allowing those parents to let their voice be heard along with the administrators, because oftentimes, that charter school is a neighborhood school to folks in the residence, in the immediate community, residents in the immediate community. Um, so it's not so much um, it let us remove this school because it is a neighborhood school to some of those individuals. So I think that um, the conversation needs to be had that's always inclusive and mindful of everybody's input so that everybody can be on the same accord. And I think that's where a lot of the misinformation and confusion arises because everybody is not on the same page of understanding. Um, and, again, I always say that the voice of the parent should be the first voice. Okay. All right. Mr. Martin? Um, yes, sir. Um, so this is a hot one um, because most of the conversations I have uh, with parents about around co-location is um, it's a, it's a few things. One is the boundary issue um, where um, separation is happening, um, and some people are calling it seg segregation. And, and here's why, because if you have a situation where traditional public school students are coming in one door and charter school students are coming in a different door, or you set boundaries in the building where um, there's no traditional public school students beyond this point, but charter school students can go there. You have separate nurses. You have different um, – um, the, the food um, quality is different because there's healthier choices for the charter schools. And I think the one of the, the main things I keep hearing over and over again is um, it's a nice thing for um, charter schools um, to be able to get um, – you know, smart boards or laptops or Chromebooks and things donated to them, but it just doesn't look good when they bring those things in and give them to charter school students. I know that's who they who they earmarked for, but the problem is we have the traditional public school students seeing that, and and I hear that from a lot of parents about the the way uh, they feel about it and the way their kids feel about it, and 
I'm hoping, and I heard Ben say that, and that's why I'm glad he said that, um, the professional development of working together, because one of the things I was going to request is that we have, and this was talked about at the Parents' Summit as well, that we actually have charter school and traditional public school students, their student bodies um, and the parent organizations, um, the principals, as Ben said, all working together, doing some things, collaborating, because we gotta, we gotta, we're all in the same space, so the way to coexist is to make sure that everybody is exact, getting exactly what the other party is getting, or at least we're taking best practices from both ends and using it for the best way. And Al, if I could just chime in on that, I, I couldn't Thank agree you. more. And um, one of the things that I've seen just in the past few weeks since this issue came up uh, on social media was that parents of their own accord, um, similar, I guess, to the, the purpose of this show, um, set out to start that conversation with each other. So I've heard from Sikh parents who started conversations with folks in the PTA and other parent leaders on the Carver side. And I think we need more of that. And I think it would be great if the two schools um, could get back together and start working together on the professional development that used to occur. One of the challenges we faced with some of that collaboration was, honestly, as the previous superintendent uh, towards the end of her administration, um, there was a lot of turmoil at Carver, and there was a lot of turnover um, by no fault of the leadership there. Uh, and that made it difficult for us to have continuity in that collaboration. So I think rebuilding those relationships with the new administration uh, and the teachers who are there now so that we can bring that um, back to the to the full effect that it could possibly have. I agree with you completely, Darren. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I want to bring in our first caller. I want the callers to really, you know, get their questions aired. Um, so I'm going to bring in area code 862. Caller, are you with us? Welcome to the Parent Engaging Parent Show. My question is to one, when it comes to equity, can we speak to what exactly, something more concrete as to what, Mr. Martin, what would you consider as being equitable besides having um, shared, the shared location where the teachers have PD days? What's equitable for parents, in your view, that would be satisfactory for both a traditional um, public school and, 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 a, and, a public, and, and a charter public school? My second question also is um, when we talked about, um, you, talked, you mentioned the word um, earmark, right? Can you explain exactly, again, what, what would be considered something satisfactory for traditional parents when it comes to earmark, earmarking things? Because I think sometimes we, we say those words and it, it sounds really, really good. And, and the three of you talking this evening, again, it sounds, it's very um, laudable. There's no anger there. But yet when we bring it down to where our parents are, it gets all this, um, kumbaya, it gets lost, and, and parents are still fighting. And at the end of the day, who's losing is still our kids. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Ria, for that for those questions. So, um, equity. Um, the main area of equity, um, and this has been um, discussed quite often because the word uh, choice has been tossed around a lot over the past few years. Um, so, Newark is uh, uh, really a little different than most cities. Um, because in Newark, um, what wound up happening is that a lot of the local and community schools that's right there and people um, and where people live, uh, you couldn't go to a school across the street from you or around the corner from you because those schools were closed. Um, now, 
certainly we don't want any schools that's um, not performing well. Um, we want to be able to take care of those that's not performing well. Um, I don't think all of them fell in that category, but I think there was um, a master plan to close some of the schools um, for people to have their own little situations going on there. So what I mean by equity is um, charter school parents, and I don't knock any of them because I'm, I'm a bona fide traditional public school parent. Um, uh, my parents went, their parents went to um, traditional public school, and I do the same. My kids go as well. Um, but I don't knock anybody else's choice, but it's not an equitable choice for parents. In, it wasn't an equitable choice for parents in Newark and a lot of the areas because their schools were closed down. So they then had to go to um, that one Newark plan uh, or one Newark and Rose, they called it. Um, and that was bad, and that's why charges were ultimately filed um, by, uh, by Pulse and the organization, and, and the district agreed that they were wrong and it hurt kids. Um, which, of course, ultimately hurt parents. So, so the first part is parents didn't have the choice to send their kid to the neighborhood school across the street or around the corner because their schools were closed. Um, um, secondly, when I talked about earmarked, um, I know that what happens is, because um, I've seen it happen, where um, there's, let's say, 15 to 20 or 25 or 50 um, laptops or Chromebooks um, are donated to a charter I'm not going to name any particular charter school, but a charter school. Um, that's nice. That's a nice thing to happen. Um, but if we're all in this together, and it's really about all children succeeding equally across the board, um, there should be some collaboration where those traditional public school students get some of those things as well and not have to watch that happen in front of them because that just, that's just not good. So that's, that's why I said those two things. So I actually lead a lot of the fundraising work here for KIPP, and occasionally we get technology donations, but for the most part, we're making do actually with less money than the district schools have, um, believe it or not. We get 90 cents on the dollar, so 10% of our per-pupil revenue for each child goes to NPS, not to us. And then in the case of uh, SEEK, they're also paying rent to NPS on top of that 10%. And they're buying all of their technology. I've never, uh, I can recall, actually raised a technology donation for SEEK. They're buying all of their technology out of 80 cents on the dollar. So if they are able, through being efficient with the way they're spending their money uh, relative to NPS, to buy technology, it may appear that they have resources that aren't equitable but really they actually have less money and they're spending in a way where they're able to purchase that technology due to efficiencies. Um, I would love to pursue, though, um, in collaboration with all of you on this call, if there are funders who we could approach together to say, look, this is a laboratory of innovation that is working on both the public and the charter side. Let's really embrace this and bring some more technology for everyone into this building. I think that would be a great uh, a great plan to go at together. Thanks, Ben. I welcome and, and that, brother. Thank I you. Just, and I guess I'll just add uh, 15 seconds because one of the issues that we often have in, in this discussion is that there's two different strategies when we talk about equity and equality, right? And so when we use those two phrases, we use them in an effort to produce fairness. So we all know, as uh, uh, Darren stated, um, you know, equity is about giving everyone uh, what they need to be successful. Equality is treating everybody the same. And unfortunately, the conversation that parents have often, too often, um, in terms of charter versus our traditional schools is that 
Equality aims to promote fairness, but it can only be successful and work if everyone starts from the same place and their needs are the same. In some cases, even as been stated, that's not the case. In our district, you know, our teachers' needs are different than those teachers and charters, and so we need to come together um, to support each other with best practices so that at the end of the day, there is equality and equity and, and equity in the education of all of our children in the city of Newark. No, that's great. I wonder, I want to switch gears um, back to um, the conversation a little more deeply into co-location. I'm going to start with you, Ben. Should parents be notified about any changes in the agreement of the co-location of the schools? So with SEEK having a co-location with Carver, as an example, if anything was to change in the school, should the parents, um, organizations of both schools have have a notification? If so, if so, um, how how could it happen? If not, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, parents on both sides should be notified. I can't really speak to the the district's practices or, mm-hmm. or timeline for notification. Um, I, I wonder, actually, uh, Ms. Gaddy, if you would have any better sense of what the proper process from NPS is on, on uh, that timeline. Well, I first want to add and say that I feel as though everyone on both sides should first be informed. And I do think that on this one, the district dropped the ball. Um, And because it allowed the contract to expire without engaging the board members, and then we have to hear it from community members and outsiders, that is unfortunate, and it is something that cannot be tolerated, especially as we uh, return to local control. We have to understand what's happening in our buildings, and so uh, I took it upon myself. I sit on the operations committee as a member, Tate Padilla as the chair, to ensure that this information comes before our committee and in a timely fashion. So this should not happen again. Yeah, and and if I could chime in on that, Al Therese, um, it's really an easy response for me as well. Um, um, All parties um, should be notified. Um, Unfortunately, the word transparency um, uh, when it comes to uh, the Newark School District is sometimes uh, uh, really bad. Um, There shouldn't be any equivocations about people being notified um, when anything is going on. And, and, um, and I don't know why that's such a hard thing to do, but for some reason it's just hard. I, I don't know. They, they make it hard in some kind of way, but all parties should be notified. Definitely. And, and, and I'm asking you these questions, you know, obviously based on, you know, questions and concerns parents have been raising over this issue. And this issue, obviously, we're talking about um, SEEK and George Washington Carver, yet there are other schools that um, co-locate um, I was talking to you, um, Mr. Martin, about a, a co-location of a school in Jersey City and, you know, some of the things that they go through. So co-location is happening throughout the state, yet, you know, there's different levels and engagement. And somebody said it earlier about the parents and their involvement of working together. How can, how can, we, how can we help as a, as a school, as parents, to get parents more engaged in this conversation, in which case they're more equipped with the information versus the rhetoric. <laughs> and, and I just want to say, if I can, just chime in, because unfortunately I have a meeting with my pastor and a committee, and uh, it starts at 730 um, 
So I do apologize that I have to exit early, but I have obligations for my church this evening. Um, but I do want to say it is the um, it is very important that parents' voices are heard throughout the community and in specifically in the school district. And I think on situations such as this, they need to be not only empowered with, with the information, but they also need to be organized within the school. There should always be a parent voice, a PTA, a PTSO, a PTO, whatever it is, a parent circle, whatever it is, you have to have the ability for parents to come together and have open and honest discussions with the administration of the building and also to have stakeholders from within the community have the dialogue that they need with those representatives within the school. And whenever you don't have that, there is a disconnect within the communication, and then you create chaos. And at the end of the day, it only impacts our students because there's no barriers like, you know, just like there's no barriers in the sky. Our communities and our houses are next to one another, and we should not be creating communities uh, where people feel as though I, you know, a neighbor next door is a traditional school student, my daughter is a charter school, and they're not communicating because of adult issues or complications within that school. That should never happen. And so I, I truly just think that it is about parent having the right voice and having a seat at the table. Um, and so with that, I, I just want to thank you all for the opportunity, and God bless each and every one of you. You too, Kim. Thank Patty, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being um, on the show tonight. Look forward for you to um, Thanks, come back on anytime. So, guys, it, it's just us. You know, I, I want I want to hear your your, your um, side of that too, um, Ben and Darren. Um, in regards to parents being, you know, engaged in the in the information, in which case that we're equipped with knowledge versus you know hearing um, rhetoric that we don't know if it stands on facts or you know anger or whatever else may be the reason why some of the things are true I'm assuming are not true. All right, so um, another um, easy question because um, although it doesn't always um, land in an easy way, um, <laughs> uh, and I'll take this most recent situation with George Washington Carver um, because that's hot and heavy right now, and you had people out there, and I won't mention their names because people know who they are, that were putting information out that just was in very, completely inaccurate. Um, and oftentimes what happens in our community is that people tend to listen to those who talk the loudest um, or sound like they may know what they're talking about. But I would, it would behoove all of us when we hear about something to do our own research. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, I haven't spoken to, um, I'll get it to you, I'm going to ask Marquise and, um, and the board, and, uh, have they, because looking at this whole, whether it be two classrooms or four classrooms, whatever it is, if the classrooms are not being used, then that just it just sends me to other questions. Um, the pre-K that some people talked about, why uh, why haven't that happened? Um, or, or I mean, so you have to make sure that um, you're not listening to the because the person is talking loud. And there's always a, a real easy um, identifier for me. I'll close with this identifier for me when people say things. Um, and and do a lot of talking and throw out stats and and this is the law they say um, I look at the the source or that person and I look at if anybody's following them because some people that think they're actually leading 
if they look behind themselves, nobody's with them. Um, so they're just really out for a walk. And we got to be able to decipher between that um, in our community. That's a problem. Oh, wow, definitely. Ben, um, could you could you chime in on that? Yeah, I really appreciate Mr. Martin's sentiment. Uh, I think particularly in an era where we're being led by a president who uh, states misinformation every day and uh, doesn't mm-hmm. attacks the news media and uh, is slowly attempting to convince the American public that his made-up stats are the real ones. Uh, we have to be careful of misinformation. Um, but I can't really comment so much to the process in any new way that hasn't already been said, but maybe what I can do is just throw out a couple of um, basic facts to, to add to the information that's out there. George Washington Carver is a building that was built for a capacity of 1,200 students. Uh, this coming year we'll have about 560 Sikh students and a similar number of Carver students, I think about 500 Carver and Bruce Street students if you put the two together. Um, Sikh is utilizing space in a way where it has 28 kids per classroom and Carver has 17 kids per classroom. I'm not saying that in a disparaging way at all. I think that's great. Small class sizes have been proven to have some benefit. Um, but we're packing ourselves into our space as tightly as we can. Um, and really the expansion here is only about two additional classrooms. Um, as Mr. Martin pointed out, there was some misinformation out there, part of the misinformation was around how many classrooms. So it's just two additional classrooms that we're asking for. And we're really fitting as many kids into each of those classrooms as we can um, so as not to impose uh, any further on the the, um, the space and let Carver continue to and Bruce Street continue to run with plenty of room um, for their kids and, and small class sizes. Definitely. So I've been I've been giving you guys some of the callers that have emailed or um, inboxed me. So I want to open the lines back up um, to um, a caller. Caller sixty seventy four. You're on the air. Welcome to the Parent Engaging Parents Show. Caller. Hello. Okay. Hello. How you doing, ma'am? Welcome to the Parent Engaging Parents Show. You have a question? Um, I'm Darren Martin wife. I'm just on here to support my husband. Oh, well, listen, no better support coming from your wife. Well, thank you, ma'am, um, for definitely um, listening in. Um, it's a definitely important conversation because we're we're coming into a place where it's no secret that the education system is where it's at and it's not effectively engaging the parents and the children as we see fit. And we know that charter schools and traditional um, traditional public schools are going to coexist, and we know that there's going to be a continuous a continued demand for whichever choice we want. And with that understood, then I want to ask you, with our understanding, because we see even in Patterson right now, there's an expansion of charter schools. So we, we definitely know that there's going to be a continued expansion. Are we going to continue to see charter schools um, still co- co-locating with district schools or outright having lease at these um, district schools? And your well, before, I had, before I answer that question, I just want to say to Mr. Martin, um, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, jealous, and I'm going to have to complain on the air that I don't hear my wife, uh, Betty Padilla, <laughs> calling into the show. So uh, well done. Well done. <laughs> nice to have that support on the air. Oh, man. Uh, Al, I, I, made it do, I, I made it do it, Ben. I thought so, too. Um, Alfred, did you send any of the call-in info? I'm wondering. 
Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, in terms of the future of co-locations, um, I think what we should do right now on on the air is commit to this. Let's get this one so right that people are clamoring for more co-locations because it benefits the kids on both sides of the school. Let's work together and invest in whatever it takes to prove that this co-location is equitable and is benefiting all the kids. Because if charters are going to continue to grow, one of the biggest challenges for us as charter schools is facilities. And if we have to go build a new building, i got to tell you, a new school building in this day and age, whether it's a public uh, traditional district's building that they're building or a charter school is building, is at least 30 to $40 million for a school that's going to fit 500 kids. That's money that should be put into our children's futures, whether it's district, traditional district schools or um, public charters. That's money we could be investing in the kids. And so the more co-locations we could make work uh, and work well, um, the more we can save that money and put it towards education. But we got to prove that this one um, can really thrive, so let's do that. We have a, um, another caller. Caller 7080. You're on the um, Parent Engage the Parents show. Thank you for calling in. You have a question? Hello, caller? Hello? How you doing, man? Hello? Welcome to the Parent Engage... Hello, ma'am. Welcome to the Parent Engaging Parents Show. Do you have a question? No, um, no, I don't have a question, but I am a PTA vice president of a co-located school, and I think co-location can work if we're, if you're not planning to expand in your school. We're, um, we're planning to expand in our school, so co-location for us we does not work because it's hindering our parent choice from expanding in our own building. Okay, no, that's, that's interesting. Well, thank you. Any comments on that, gentlemen? The, the, the young lady said that the school that she's actually in is co-located, and they're planning on um, expanding in their own right, yet they have, you know, um, they have company in the building. What, what, what's your take on that, Mr. Martin? Right, so what I would say is, um, and, and I think um, um, Ben did a good job of laying out um, what the um, you know what the pupil um, situ- population is there um, and what the capacity is. So um, when you look at a building that size, and if if, if you have that many classrooms um, not being utilized, then the question will become for um, the caller one. Uh, what? How many rooms are you looking to expand to? And if there's some hindrance, we need to find out who's stonewalling that or stopping that. And then what's left after that? Because I, again, I I just think that, and I and I keep um, reminding my um, my friends from from traditional public school side that um, because it's not like it's going to be some magic uh, and poof and charter schools are going to be gone. They're here to stay, and we need to coexist in the space that we're in, but it has to be done in a correct way. So if there's space that's not being used in the building and everything is done the right way, and as me and um, Ben and Al Therese and Kim was on the call, we're, we're, um, and I think we've been doing it already, we're just doing it in pockets working together. We're making a commitment to work together. I, I certainly believe it can work. Um, I, I think it can work well um, as long as people just stay straight um, um, keep, and, and leave the rhetoric out. Well, of it. The rhetoric don't help, don't help us. I first think the truth has to get out because the building that I'm co-located in, 
There is no space that we're not using. We're becoming a community. We're building for a community school, so we bring in community partners. We had one we brought in just last year, and that partner is coming back this year. We're looking to co- we're looking to partnership with other organizations and have other after school programs and partnerships within the building. So, and and I just recently, as the V Vice um, President of the PTA, took a tour with my principal. And my principal's views of us growing, we will utilize that space. If we weren't going to utilize that space, I believe the co-location could have stayed there. But because we want to grow and grow our choice as a community school and building on um, the community school model, we don't have space for the co-location. And because they are from a rich charter school and charter school is here to stay, we do want them to move into their own building because they are a separate district, and we continue to partner with them and collaborate with them, but we need our space so that we can expand our choice. Is, is this Ms. Cole? Yes, it is. So, Ms. Cole, you know, what's gonna, you know what that's going to come down to. It's going to come down to if classrooms are not being utilized and nothing's been set in stone but for classrooms man, to be used. I don't used know what you mean that classes aren't being utilized because in our building right now, all of the space is being utilized. And we want we have one disabled pre-K, we have pre-K, uh, pre-K program for the disabled. We want to bring in regular pre-K program to expand because that's a fully funded program. That'll bring, and those classes will be filled with pre-K. So we haven't been able to expand because they're in our space and they haven't moved out, which they were supposed to. And they have to move into that they didn't take advantage of. Ms. Cole, just to kind of figure this out. Our growth in our building and our vision for our traditional public school. Right. Just to close this out from my end, Ms. Cole, what I would like to do is, because you said it was a tour, I would like to do a tour with the principal because I want to see, it'll be real, real easy to see what classrooms are being used or not utilized and what's on paper for things that are being utilized. You said a lot of things there, but I want to see exactly what's going on there because I haven't, I haven't taken a tour of that school, so that's what I would like to do. I'm going to close out with that, Al-Therese. Al- that's you. good because all you call. have to do is um, call Mr. Thomas. He's the principal at George Washington Carver set up a meeting, you can set it up through me. I have his direct cell phone number, and you're always welcome to come in there because the organization you belong to, Pulse, was one of the original organizations that partnered with George Washington Carver to make it become a um, community school. Community school, right. Gotcha, so I don't gotcha. know where no the confusion is. You all was always welcome to the school. No problem, Ms. Cole. Thank you. Well, thank you so much thank for your you. call, ma'am. Hello, Ben? Yep. Would you like to comment on that? The one thing within that um, that I'd just like to address briefly is we don't have another option for our kids to move to. We have 560 kids in the building. If they are evicted, they're out on the the street. I mean, we're out on the curb. We don't have a backup option. That's not good. Um, And so if we don't have any sort of a lease moving forward, we're talking about evicting, you know, kindergarten to fourth graders um, who won't have a building to be educated in. And, you know, we do raise money. I'm not going to deny that. But we are not sitting on a bunch of money where we can suddenly up and buy a a building. Like I was just saying, one of the biggest challenges for both the district and charters is that a brand-new school building costs 
30, 40 million dollars for the size of a school, that's not an easy investment for anyone to make, um, regardless of their ability to to raise money. No, no, that's important. And um, I'm glad we did say that because at the end of the day, none of the schools are rich. You know, all of us are, um, you know, scratching for, you know, funds. You know, the Newark School District has been underfunded for years, like so many other districts. So we want to be careful because none of these schools are rich, and the monies that are being used are being used to the level where, you know, you're basically squeezing a quarter and making the eagle scream. So we definitely know that um, all of our schools are going through the ups and downs of making sure our quality education is there for all children. I have another call I want to take in before you know the show is going so fast only in our last 15 minutes. So I definitely want to get a couple more callers in. Um, caller 5114, you're on, this, you're on the air, Parents Engaging Parents. Welcome. Welcome to the Hello. Parents oh, Engaging I didn't, Parents I, show. I didn't, I, I didn't know it was me. I thought I was in line. How uh, great show so far! It's an interesting um, topic, and I just wanted to. Um, uh, I was I was not having a full understanding, a full breath of what co-location was at one time. I was kind of against it, even having um, parents, even being a parent of a charter school um, student. But um, like uh, Mr. Darren mentioned, the uh, the equity that's that's a very important um, important uh, understanding of it. But I just wanted to uh, make a comment to the last caller. It seems as if if the school wants to um, expand within the co-located school, it seems like that would be a part of the plan to know if there's a lease, what term, how, what, um, what the lease terms of the current um, charter school is before they make a plan like that, you know, to expand. It seems like that would, that would be something that would be covered up front before they even make any plans on um, future expansion. So I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if that... I don't know how in depth she was with the, with the, with the um, explaining that because I caught a little a little piece of it, but um, if if that if there's any intention on expanding within the school where you know the space is already occupied, it should be a plan to um, I guess phase that out. I, I don't know if I, if I'm making any sense, but it seems like they wouldn't you wouldn't plan on expanding knowing that there's a current lease already in place. That's what I'm I guess that's uh, what I'm trying to say. No, 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 so, no, it's so, definitely. Uh, no, it's definitely understood, sir, on what you're saying, and that's a great point. You know, if you're if you're going to expand in the school, that upon negotiation of a lease with a tenant, that would be understood. But um, we definitely don't want to challenge. You know, like Darren was saying, until we, you know, to to he visits the school and and you know we see you know what 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 the intentions are because at the end of the day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's all about the children. Oh, exactly. You know, exactly. we can never move yeah, away and from I, that, that. Yeah, that, and that, that was foundation. just something I just. Yeah, I just think. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to seem like. Yeah, it just seemed like um, you know, that would have been something that would have been thought out, and maybe it has been. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, like you said, in all fairness to the caller, you know, without having all the information or the facts, but you know, it seems like that's something that would have been discussed, you know, up front from the beginning before you're making any plans for future expansion. And that's all I wanted to, to add in. My two cents. Well, listen, thank you for calling in, and, and once again, continue to listen in. Uh, we want to thank you for calling. Also, I want to I ask you, to, um, Mr. Martin, with the, with the current climate, what, what would you – if we, we had an opportunity today. We had an individual like yourself. We had um, a parent who's actually a school board member also, and we also have another parent who's actually administrator of a charter school. What do you, what, what do you think is the opportunity – 
to have a, a, a further conversation on engagement, in which case more of the facts and more of the real intentions will be more will be able to come to the surface. What do you think about uh, a future engagement of that? Um, I think the prospects are, are great. I, I think the ground is uh, very fertile um, for it. Um, of course, there's a lot of uh, naysayers. That's always going to be for everything that happens. There's going to be a lot of rhetoric and people talking loud. But um, I know that um, a couple of years ago, the turning point for me a few years ago, um, having a more balanced um, thought process on this whole issue was at a school board meeting in Newark when um, I saw um, um, two people I love, because I love everybody, um, but two people I love, um, one a um, tr- traditional public school advocate um, and one a charter school parent um, went nose to nose um, uh, about the issue of charter versus public. And my, myself and Chanel McLeod, um, God bless her and her husband, um, um, Chanel and I said, we got to get together. Long story short, we, as you know, Al Therese, was one of the people that I was invited to. I think the first meeting that we had, and Chanel and her husband was gracious enough to um, host those meetings, and we got people that usually don't agree with each other, and everybody brought some food there, and we, we ate and we talked, and, and we had some really good dialogue um, about it. And then we had a, a, a subsequent meeting after that. So I would urge every one of those that, that know me, love me, respect me, um, we cannot stay in our corners and not come to the middle of the ring and talk. Um, I mean, public education is a contact sport, so you got to deal and talk with people on both sides. So we can't just hang around and, and, and talk about this. Or talk. We have to do something about it, so let's collaborate and do it. Because I think the one thing that we all can agree with without I mean, one iota of equivocation is that all parents, me, Ben, you, Altrice, we all want, um, Kim, we want our children to get a top-notch, world-class, 21st century quality education, and that's for all children, whether it be public charter. I'll be happy when we take these labels off of ourselves. So I'm ready to um, sit down and talk with anybody. That's why recently I went to the Parent Summit. I think it was a great Parent Summit. Um, um, some people have some things to say about me, but I, got, I have thick skin, so that stuff don't bother me a bit. Um, it's a parent summit. It wasn't a charter school summit. It was a parent summit. And once Chanel told me about it, I said, well, I'm coming. I'm, and I went there and had a great time. Excellent workshops. It wasn't no bashing this, bashing that. I, I, I would just say in closing that I think everybody needs to take a deep breath, look at what's going on around us, and realize that I, I heard somebody say, I'll close with this, I heard somebody say a while ago that our children uh, will do about 50% of what we do right and 100% of what we do wrong, uh, meaning we can't mess this up, man. We can't show them that we can't get together and agree to disagree. We have to meet and talk with each other and work this thing out so everybody wins in the end. Well, listen, that was well said. Ben, do you have a, um, a comment in that regard? I couldn't agree more with Mr. Martin there. Um, I'm really grateful that he and Chanel, who I get the privilege of working with every day, started that conversation a couple of years back. I think we see this throughout our society. You know, you get contentious issues, people retreat into their corners and they stop having actual conversations and they just shout across the ring at each other. And it's only when people are brave enough to risk, you know, the ridicule uh, from the people in the corners and come to the center to have real dialogue that problems get solved. Um, So I appreciate his willingness to do so. Uh, I appreciate all that you do every day in that regard, Al Therese. You know, it's funny, I was outside of the school board meeting 
uh, yesterday evening, and there was a good amount of yelling going on inside. And I was coming back in and witnessed two middle school age boys from Newark walking down the hallway discussing the meeting with each other. And uh, one of them was saying he was sick and tired of coming to school board meetings with his mom. <laughs> and the other one was saying um, that his mom is actually on the school board. And it just reminded me that the way we talk to each other and sort these problems out in the public square has an impact on our children and the kids uh, who come to these meetings on down to the kids who are in the schools. So um, appreciate all the sentiments on this call and the direction of working together more productively and collaboratively. No, listen, I look forward to continual engagement of us leaders and parents being in a position to share the real information. It's heartbreaking. You know, actually, I've seen those two young brothers also, and it's heartbreaking to see two children, one in the charter school and one in a traditional setting of schools, talking and engaging and we as parents have these barriers and have these bridges that we can't cross to get together. And it's starting to get really, really sad because our children are watching and they're paying close attention. You know, we, we don't want to play nice in the sandbox. And unfortunately, it's not going to do anything but be a detriment to the young men and women who are going to be our future. You know, each person deserves the right to choose whatever education platform they want for their children. Each one of them has has that right, and I'm going to champion anybody's right to choose. A lot of people know my motto is to live by choice and not by chance. I stand strong on that, and I know a lot of other parents do. So I want to challenge the parents. So let's, let's stop fighting. You, you, you know my number. You know, you know um, Chanel's number. You know Johnny's number. You know the people who are in this, in this fight. You know Darren's number. You come on, guys. We gotta do something, and then we gotta understand this reflects the whole state. Our whole state of New Jersey is dealing with this, and North New Jersey is the largest and biggest school district. And if we're setting the tone for how other school districts interact, I traveled just a couple of weeks ago to um, Las Vegas, and I met a young lady who's not only on the school board. And her and her school district in North Carolina, she actually on the school board of the charter school. So there's regions across this country who are working together. Not only are they working together, they're leaders who are doing both roles. So it's something to be said about continuously engaging and fighting and arguing and shouting when real work can be done and it's being done in, like Darren said, small pockets. But we have to start synergizing. We have to start coming together. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Do remember that this this show is archived. You can definitely go and um, download it to hear it again. And tell a friend to tell a friend. The conversation is taking place. Parents are engaging parents, and we want to make sure that everybody, everybody that can hear me has the opportunity to express their voice. So once again, call in, email me, inbox me. And in prior weeks, because I do this show every other week. Give me questions throughout the week, because I engage parents all day, and it's not by mistake. I only want to do one thing, and that's to make sure our voice is thoroughly heard. I want to thank everybody for calling in tonight. I want to thank all the people who are listening. And I would definitely want to thank my guest, Ms. Gaddy. I want to thank our guest, Mr. Dan Martin. 
And I definitely want to um, thank our guest, Mr. Ben Cole. Gentlemen, thank you for coming through. Um, I appreciate your wisdom and your information, and I thank you for being the leaders that you are. We want to say good night, and God bless, and I'll talk to you next week. Good night. Thanks, Al Therese. Great job, Al Therese. Good night, Ben. God bless you guys. Good night. Good night.